0: And now, it's time for the Tri-State Sports Beat with your hosts, Nick Federico, Scott DeBell, and Joe Bruno.
1: Oh, what a week. What a week it's been in New York sports. We have a lot to talk about. Loaded, loaded show. Nick, Scott, and Joe. Joe will be with us for a little bit to talk about our first topic today, but Tri-State Sports Beat, episode 136. Fellas, how are we this afternoon?
0: Giddy, fantastic. fantastic.
1: Oh, for for a multitude of reasons, especially if you're a Jet Yankee fan, we'll get to that. We'll talk about uh, penis head Porter, of course, uh, in this episode. That news broke this morning. We'll talk about that, of course. But the number one thing, Joe. Are you forgetting
2: about the new star in town?
1: I'm not. I'm not.
2: You just did you should be. You just said you should be giddy if you're a Jet and Yankee fan.
1: Yeah, that's what I'm. Uh, all right, well, uh, I'll, I'll be. Oh well, yeah, obvious,
2: but there was a damper oh, on the
0: Mets. That's there's I'm
2: uh, talking, about the, no, Nets, talking the about the Brooklyn oh, Nets, the best team in New York. Yes. Oh, so okay. I, I, uh,
0: I want to talk to you about typical
2: that. Knicks fan too. trying to say that the Nets aren't a New York team. Oh, I didn't say that. When did rushing I? Rushing over them like they're irrelevant. Oh my god. They're New York team. He's typical Knicks fan. Listen,
1: would you rather start with the Brooklyn Nets and and James Harden? No, I just want you to acknowledge them.
2: Well, they're in the episode. We're going to talk about them. Yeah, but you said you should be giddy if you're a Jet and (laughs) Yankee fan. It's giddy times that you're a Brooklyn Nets fan, too. I mean, I I remember when you were all giddy about Tom Thibodeau. I still am. I still am. I still am. And now your team
1: sucks again. They don't suck. They've won two in a (laughs) row. They blew out the Boston Celtics. We'll get to that in a minute. But the New York Jets... Have a brand new head coach, Joe. You called this two years ago. You wanted this yes! to happen for two years. I got to give it to you. The New York Jets have hired Bob Sala. Bob, we're gonna call him. Can Bob. I just Bob. say something? No, <laughs> no. I think no. It, it's I think, Rob.
2: It's Robert. I think it's unfair that Joe won our picks this year because he's got to have a crystal ball. He somewhere. has to. Has <laughs> to. Has to. So, Joe, how you feeling, pal?
0: I. You have. Like all Jets fans, I think feel like are are excited right yes. now. But I am over the moon mm-hmm. about this hire. Yep. It is just, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. That shiny little head of his. I am so excited to see that. There's nothing. Lo- there's
1: so nothing bad. little about this guy. I don't know what you're. Oh talking no, about. no. There's nothing little about this guy. We're not talking about Jared Porter just yet. We're talking about a big <laughs> big man in Robert. <laughs> now, maybe he's compensating. Uh, maybe who knows, but. Joe, you've wanted this guy for two years. Like you saw him and you were like, I got it. Like, gotta have him. What makes you so confident now that he is the Jets head coach that he will do a good job?
0: I'm still sticking by what I said in the earlier episode about how his energy levels are through the roof. He's going to have that team ready for every single week that they play. Um, yes, there's definitely a lot more to for him to do than just bring energy. But as we've been listening to, like, the analysts about him and, and what other players have been saying about him uh, and reputable players like Richard Sherman, um, I think that he's going to bring more than just energy. He's going to bring confidence to the team. He's bringing a winning culture to the team. Unlike what he, And that's what Twitter was blowing up about. He is the anti-Adam Gates. Yep. Like, everything that we hated about Adam Gase is reversed in this guy. Yeah. Like, he is just – I don't even know how to describe it. He's just – I can't – and I I'm, i know I'm going to uh, get shade for this later down the road, but I cannot see the Jets losing with Robert Sala oh, at the helm. Wow. wow. I can't. I <laughs> can't. I cannot. If, I feel like if they go on this stretch of losing back-to-back-to-back-to-back to back to back to back like they have in the years past, Robert Sala is going to rip their heads off, and we won't have a New York Jets team to be disappointed in anymore, so, so it won't matter.
1: So I guess Christopher Johnson and Joe Douglas were very impressed by the fact that he, that he was jumping up and down on the tables and saying that he wants to be the head coach of the New York Jets. <laughs> I mean, I mean that that only seems logical.
0: But I, I think by the end of that interview, they all three of them were jumping up and yeah, down ex- on the tables exactly. together. Exactly.
1: Now, you mentioned it, like, Jets' Twitter was absolutely blowing up. And it has been blowing up for several days now for, more, for a multitude of reasons. But this hire is universally very popular amongst the Jets fans. Now, uh, you know, me personally, like, I mean, it took me a while to get on the Robert train. I'll admit that. He wasn't my number one candidate. But that kind of turned for me once the Jets brought him in for that second interview. And he was the first one. So that only tells you, and you got to give praise to Christopher Johnson and Joe Douglas, they let him walk out of the building, and they still got him. Like, we were all nervous that, you know, he wasn't going to come back because he was going to go talk to the Eagles. He was going to go talk to, uh, I think, the Chargers at one point. And we were nervous that this was the guy that they really wanted because he was the one that was brought in for the first time in the second interview process. He was the first finalist. This is the guy that the Jets wanted all along. And we were afraid that he was going to go. But he ended up coming back, and we got him. The Jets finally got their guy that they wanted. And that feels so good to say because we feel like the Jets haven't had that in a decade since Rex Ryan. Todd Bowles was definitely not their number one guy. I mean, say what you want about like the Adam Gase hire. Uh hired, I think McCann hired Adam Gase, so They must have been, Gase must have been their number one guy because nobody wanted Gase. Only the Jets wanted Gase. But teams were really chomping at the bit to get Robert Sala in the building, and the Jets got him.
2: Scott, what do you think? I mean, this is like completely night and day from like two years ago when Adam Gase was just hired. Jets, you know, the Jets fan base was, you know, freaking pissed off and already counting us out saying oh we're going to be looking for a new coach in two three years which you know eventually did happen but like this one when Rob Sala was announced that he was going to be hired as the Jets head coach it was like a celebration on Twitter like Scott,
1: we were on the phone for an hour just saying how great this um, was
2: I know it, it was fantastic and like you know it just felt like there was a certain type of buzz around this team that hasn't been there for a long time um I mean, you know, there's still a lot of questions surrounding this team about, you know, is Rob Sala going to call the defensive plays? What kind of a defensive assistance is he going to bring in? I mean, we're kind of already starting to see, you know, um, the main pieces of the offensive uh, coaching staff uh, head, uh, headed by uh, Mike LaFleur, a brother of Matt LaFleur, the Packers head coach. And, uh, you know, who's going to be the quarterback? Those are really the two biggest um, –
1: We'll get to the quarterback in a little bit. Yeah,
2: the two biggest questions right now. Um, but, yeah, it's, it's uh, you know, we'll wait to see the introductory press conference on Thursday. Two o'clock I uh, can't, can't wait for that. The Jets will actually stream it too, which, you know, right. doesn't seem like they do very often. So I'm excited to watch that. And, uh, you know, there's uh, some fire in the building from the head coaching position, which, like you said, hasn't been there since Rex Ryan. I mean. Todd Bowles was Todd Bowles was the negative of energy. He was boring. And Adam, Adam case was a little bit above uh negative, but mm-hmm. you know, he had a severe lack of energy as well. So hopefully this jolt of energy He's will, uh, <laughs> yes. he, yeah. Hopefully this jolt of energy will, you know, really light a fire into the building and, um, you know, next is free agency and there's a certain star wide receiver that keeps liking tweets surrounding the mm-hmm. jets and a quarterback. Hmm. Well, the quarterback hasn't really said anything about liking the Jets. He's just, you know, hung out in New Jersey and New York for the past week. He's
1: also liked some certain uh, back page New York posts. Uh, oh, he did? Yes, he did. Yeah, he did. Yes. He oh, did. I did not know that. So, Joe, like, oh. before we get into all of that, and Scott's getting as you can tell if you're watching this on YouTube. Scott's oh boy. Just yeah. Oh boy. Uh, Joe, did you get a chance to read Robert Sala's comments? His uh, his introductory comments of being named the Jets head coach. If you didn't already,
0: that just the stuff that just came out today. Yes. I did not know.
1: I'll read them to you because this got me fired up. Like this first line right here, there's a lot like thanking Christopher Johnson, Joe Douglas and all that stuff. But Joe, listen to this. There are no shortcuts to success. And I am committed to working with Joe Douglas to build this team the right way with talented players that play fast and play smart. And a staff that supports and helps develop them through it all. To the Jets fans, he addresses us. Coach King Sala addressed us, the fans. Your passion and commitment are priceless. I understand your expectations, and I embrace them. We have a lot of work to do, and I can't do it without your support. Thank you for your warm welcome, and please stay safe and healthy. He's already won. He's already won the press conference without (laughs) even speaking in a microphone.
2: He's already done it. Anything is better than the than
0: the uh googly
2: eyes staring into my soul eyes.
0: <laughs> i hope he comes out with like bug eyes and it's like nah, just, nah kidding. I'm just kidding that would be hilarious <laughs> i hope he, i hope he uh buffs his head real nice oh. i hope the computer screen
2: shines <laughs> off his forehead there's a glare i can't see him.
1: <laughs> but it is great that Knowing that Christopher Johnson and Joe Douglas got their number one guy, and they even – and, like, Robert Sala wanted to be here. That is the biggest thing, too. He wanted to be the Jets' head coach. He thought this was the most attractive place to come. Who would think about that, of a team that went 2-14 and last year and that has been a laughingstock for 51 years since they won the Super Bowl? Let's be real. But, you know, we talk about Sala, you know, as a coach – the energy, the rah-rah attitude, it's all that good stuff. But, you know, and, and you know, we have fun. We, we play with that a little bit. But Salah's going to give the Jets some identity here. Like, Joe Douglas and Christopher Johnson hammered the idea that the Jets don't need an offensive guru. They don't need a defensive specialist. They need a leader of men. Like, that is what, that was the number one quality that they were looking for. And they freaking got it. Like, that's as good as it gets when you're looking for a leader of men. But, you know, what I, you know, we have questions about, you know, the staff hire, we'll get to that in a second, but, you know, whether he's going to call defensive plays. But the thing about Sala is that out of all these coaching candidates, you kind of thought Sala was the guy that could be that CEO type all along. Like, you looked at a guy like Arthur Smith, real looks kind of real reserved, who was actually the second finalist, To get this job. And the Jets brought him in after bringing in Sala. And you got that feeling. At least I did from Arthur Smith. That he was very conservative. Almost Adam Gase like. Where you don't know if this guy can really lead men. Is he too focused on the offense. And all that stuff. But the thing about. And the awesome thing that came out. On the NFL Twitter page and social media. That video clip. Of Sala talking about his staff. And how important a staff is. Tells you what
2: kind of leader this guy is. Yeah, I mean, it, he pretty much like, you know, he hasn't even given his introductory press conference and he hit a home run in a minute 45 clip that the NFL yeah. posted. Like, um, the, if there was starting to get a little, you know, a nervy feeling around Jets Twitter when, uh, you know, he left the building after his, you know, two-day second interview. Uh, and went to go interview with Philly and everyone's like, Oh, he's not going to come back. We let him leave the building. Like, here we go again. They bring in Arthur Smith who, you know, eventually got the Falcons job and um, you know, they just wanted to, you know, cross their T's dot the rise. I mean, Joe Douglas said it from the beginning that's going to be a very thorough search. He's going to, you know, not leave a page unturned. And, you know, that's what he did. And, you know, the fact that the jets left that good of an impression on Rob Sala that he left the building and still wanted the job and, you know, came back, you know, uh, I think we have to give credit to Christopher Johnson and you know Joe Douglas. I'm sure that Christopher Johnson, you know, uh, he's the one in, that signed was in the off interviews. on views. Yeah, but the, I'm, I'm sure this was Joe Douglas's guy. 100. Um, I think we have to start. Listen, we we rip Christopher Johnson all the time, rightfully so. But I I feel like, you know, unlike his brother, he's actually starting to learn from his mistakes, and you know. I think a good first step was that inter- that press conference that he gave after the season after they fired Gase saying, you know, we're tired of losing here. We're not going to accept it anymore. I think <clears throat> that was the first step, you know, in making this a winning franchise because, it, you know, it really comes from the, the top down. Mm-hmm. You, you need an owner that's, that has ambition. Um, I mean, we don't know the contract of Rob Sala. I don't even know if that will come out. It's a five-year but... deal, but we don't know the money. Yeah. So yeah, that also money, shows
1: but... that the Jets are really committed to this guy. It's not a three-year deal they gave Gase. Yeah, it's a five-year deal. His his contract is now a year more than Joe
2: Douglas. Yeah, like you know, the Johnsons may make dumb decisions, but they never you know refuse to spend money. So that you know, I think you know Joe Douglas is going into this off season with the head coach. That I'm sure they spent you know pretty pretty nicely on. And Christopher Johnson is going to let him spend the 90 million that's open in cap space mm-hmm. to make this a winning team. And whether that's you know trading for a top five quarterback in the game, whether that's, you know, signing a top 10 wide receiver in the game, whether that's signing a premier edge rusher, whatever it's going to take. Christopher Johnson is going to, you know, Joe Douglas will say, we want to sign this player. This is the contract and Christopher Johnson will sign off on it. I really think, you know, I can't believe I'm saying this. I'm getting sucked in again, but this (laughs) is, this could be the start of, you know, turning this franchise around. It's not going to be quick. I don't think unless, you know, this is a home run off season where, you know, Joe Douglas hits on multiple draft picks. They get, you know, an insane quarterback in here. They get premier weapons. They get a pass rusher in here. I mean, we're forgetting CJ Mosley is pretty much going to be a free agent signing. Right. And I think CJ Mosley is going to come back and be excited to play for Rob Sala. I don't think CJ Mosley, you know, you can't really rip him for, you know, opting out of this season if he, you know, truly was concerned about the, you know, the whole situation going on and protecting his family and himself. Um, but, you know, we have CJ Mosley coming back here for three or four years. Hopefully he can, you know, return to the play that he, you know, showed in Baltimore really didn't show anything with us. Um, well, that first game against Buffalo. Joe, you remember yeah, he that, he played right? for three quarters. <laughs> yeah. and, then and, he what, and he well, had to pick yeah. six for crying out loud, but it, it does <laughs> yeah. show you that he's still, but, um, he's still a good player. See, I'm, sh- I'm sure, you know, I don't think CJ Mosley is going to be a kind of guy, you know, that's going to come in here and just, you know, play, you know, for the contract like mm-hmm. you know what i mean like he's not going to be uh he's making a lot of money to begin with right now so yeah but he, he's not going to be that kind of guy that just dogs it because he you know made his you know money or whatever right. yeah um but you know uh, i'm getting sucked back in and they're going to disappoint us again but you know <laughs> i'm sure when we do the season preview and the uh you know the schedule uh projections we're going to pick them to go 9 and 7 or 8 and 8 and you're like, oh, we're making strides. 16 and 0. Oh, I'm Joe Joe did, Joe
1: did say they will never lose under Robert Sala. Say that,
2: <laughs> You're not wrong. So, but uh, uh, the, listen, I, I go, ahead, go ahead. Just just my last thing. I think the biggest thing here is the offensive coaching staff that he's yes. bringing in. You know, I think you know we finally have a potential for some excitement with this offense, just because that whole offensive coaching staff in in San Francisco. Um, you know it's fun to watch I mean granted you know they've had their own quarterback struggles but you know Nick Mullins and um CJ Beathard. Beathard come in and win football games for them like that's what that's what you need and if we decide to go in the route of Sam Darnold that's you know what we have to hope we can get because I think Mike LaFleur is going to be a guy who comes in here it's going to be a, a system that Sam is familiar with um more of the jeremy bates kind of system that he ran his rookie year where he you know he did have a good season Mm -hmm. he ended that season and everyone you know in jets land was like all right we have a franchise quarterback here but you know then adam Gase came in and ruined that we just have to again if we don't get this unnamed quarterback that we'll get to eventually that we might trade for we have to hope that sam turns into a ryan tannehill and once he's separated from adam Gase, he turns into a you know Borderline franchise quarterback, or if you want to consider Ryan Tannehill a franchise quarterback, then, you know, he gets paid like one. Yeah. yeah and he wins football games and he makes the playoffs. So yeah, I'll say t- I'll sign on the dotted line for that right now. Joe, what Staying you on
0: the topic of quarterbacks, um, after you told me about what solid said in his statement and everything with it's not an overnight process, yada, yada, yada. Mm-hmm. Yes. Is Deshaun Watson most likely going to be on the market? Yes. Yes. I, yes, but I don't know if one, Sala or Joe Douglas are going to want to get rid of all those picks that they've, that Joe Douglas has uh, gotten these past few years. So this is why you
2: stockpile picks uh, for uh, situations uh, like this.
0: Absolutely. But if they want to go the route of what they want to do, I know San Francisco was high on Sam Darnold as well coming out of the draft. Mm -hmm. So maybe they want to test their luck with Sam Darnold, see if they could get him on the right path. I mean, it's definitely, it's definitely something that I'm interested in in trying out. Um, I think Sam Darnold can still be a very good quarterback, like I've been saying these past few episodes. And I think having Mike LaFleur come in could really break him out of that Adam Gase mentality whatever you would want to call it like that slump that he's having these past two years so I think I think it would be interesting do I want Deshaun Watson absolutely he's probably one of my favorite quarterbacks in the league but do you take the risk of sending this kid away that's got a few more years than Deshaun Watson possibly and him turning into something like
1: no, well, I mean your your argument there is, I mean Deshaun Watson's only two years older than Sam, yeah, and he's already a top five, top ten quarterback in the league. I mean, yeah, that's that's where that's where it gets interesting. But you know, what the, the other thing, this, the again, other
0: thing is, look at Deshaun Watson this past season with no weapons
1: by the league in passing yards.
0: He still had no weapons, though. Correct. And he, they didn't make the playoffs. It's a team effort to make the playoffs and actually make something of a team. Yeah, you can throw 10,000 yards in a season, but a lot of yards if you don't make the playoffs, you don't make the playoffs, and you're. What does that look like for you? You know what I mean? Well, everyone, what does it look like for knows, your legacy?
1: Anyway? Everyone knows the Sean Watson's ability. Like, that's just. You kind of yeah. have to look more of the team because the Houston Texans are such a cluster F that. You know, you kind of yeah. have to look past that. You know, Bill O'Brien shipping away um, DeAndre Hopkins and getting fired. Like, you kind of have to look at that optimistically. You kind of have to look at Deshaun Watson as an individual, not on a team basis, as a as an individual player. And he's a top five, top ten quarterback. But, you know, let's get into the discussion. I don't know how much time you have left, Joe, but um, what does this mean? Like, what does the Robert Sala signing mean for the quarterback? M- me, personally, I'm not entertaining Anything until draft day. Like, I know something came out, Sala and, and the coaching staff said there's untapped potential in Sam Darnold. But listen, we have been told by Joe Douglas, this guy is going to want to be a Jet for life. You know, we will we love this guy, blah, blah, blah. In other cases, too, in other franchises, that, oh, we like this guy, and then it's a complete 360 a couple months later, and they end up going with another quarterback, like Arizona did with Josh Rosen and Kyler Murray. So, and I don't take any, like, Adam Schefter's very well-respected, but when he says that he'll be shocked if Sam isn't back next year, I, like, I can't buy into that in, in January. I can't buy into that right now because there's so much that can happen from now until the draft. Like, they could be look like, Joe Douglas and Sala could be looking at Justin Fields or Zach Wilson and say, wow, that'd be a really good fit in our offensive scheme. This guy's got it. We like them better than Sam. So, a lot of things can change right now. This is why I don't love talking about this topic, like, this soon, even when the season's still going on, because I don't, like, Joe Douglas may already know what he wants to do. He may not. Salah may, you know, he's going to have an impact on the decision, yes. But I can't believe anything right now. You know, I want to talk about this after free agency, after the draft, and then we'll know where the Jets stand at quarterback. But as far as Deshaun Watson goes... The Jets are stupid if they don't even call Houston and try to get Deshaun Watson here. They really are. Deshaun Watson's done with Houston. Like there's some, there's a lot of underlying problems going on that right there. It's not even funny. But financially, the Jets have the draft capital. They can afford Deshaun Watson on their on their books. It just makes too much sense. It really does. I understand the Jets have more needs. They need a lot on. You know, they need corners, they need weapons, they need wide receivers, maybe a running back, more offensive. I get it. But a guy like Deshaun Watson, a top five, top ten quarterback, does not come this easy. In the Entering the prime of his career, in the prime of his career, they don't become available like this. So if I'm the Jets, give Houston number two, two for three first-round picks. Number two, a first-rounder in 2022, and in 2023 in Sam Darnold. Get it done. The Jets have all these draft picks. You can't not entertain it. You really can't. Miami, I mean, are they a threat to get Deshaun Watson? Sure they are. Who wouldn't want to play in my in beautiful Florida, in Miami? But I think the Jets have a lot more to offer than Miami does at this point. I don't know what you guys think. I think it, they have to call. They have to at least call.
0: I, I would entertain a call. But, I I mean, it's a lot you're giving up when but think about when this but think about staff this Joe. Is already saying that you possibly have untapped potential in, in a quarterback But I'm saying well, they're
2: going to come out and say
0: that like yeah, they're not just
2: going to come at, start their yeah. you know regime and say oh we have to like unless it's you know someone throw out some dead weight quarterback that everyone knows sucks like they're not going to come here and say because they're not going to tip their hand either like oh, you know yeah. Yeah, this absolutely. gives them leverage of you know they, they can't just come out and say oh we're going to move on from Sam Darnold four months before the draft because right. teams are going yeah, to know the that is, they're if teams the, know teams if, know that they're trading him and that's going to drive down his trade value
0: even more. The other thing is though if you keep saying he's he's our guy he's our guy he's our guy he's our guy what message does that send to the rest of the players on your team when you eventually trade him away. Well, they did
1: the same thing with Jamal Adams. They wanted Jamal to be
0: Rob Sala as a player's guy. You know what I mean? He's an honest guy. He knows what he's doing. He's going to get you the best out of you. So why are you going to singe that reputation right off the bat by trading away Sam Darnold for picks as when, as soon as you come in and saying, well, he could have been our guy.
1: Well, I think if they're getting a guy like Deshaun Watson, I think I don't think the players are gonna be like, Oh wow, like <laughs> we just traded away Sam, like oh man, but they're getting Deshaun Watson if it happens. If it, but they also happens. but also they I have know. to buy into a pro like they're buying into a new program. And the NFL's a business. We all know that. Like people get shipped out all the time. Business reasons is basically why Jamal Adams got shipped out of here because he wanted a contract now and the Jets weren't willing to give it to him. But listen it's basically you're turning Jamal Adams, a safety who shouldn't even play safety anymore, you're
0: turning That's not him. our number 2 pick.
1: You're yeah, I understand, but you're you're shipping away the picks that you got for Jamal from Seattle, or at least one or two of those picks to get Deshaun Watson. So at least, so you're trading away number 2 and Jamal Adams essentially to Houston for a top 5 quarterback in the league. I just don't see how
0: you can't do that. Yeah, but everybody's been saying that that's not the case. If you're trading away your number two pick, that's not what we got for Jamal yeah, Adams. Yeah, that's your own—I that, understand, but that's your own pick. Away,
1: yeah, that's the, you what? give up your own pick. That That's the price it's going to have to pay. There's no way the Jets aren't getting Deshaun Watson without giving up number two. That's just the price they're going to have to pay. I,
0: that's what I'm saying, but you have to stop comparing it to the Jamal trade because that's not what it is. Yeah,
2: but I think the only
0: reason why they'd consider trading
2: number two is because of the Jamal trade. You still have a, you know, decently early uh, – 23 isn't awful. Like, oh. you can get good players there. That's – you know, knowing they have that pick is one of the reasons why they would make that trade. And – And if I'm the Jets, know, I'm giving reason... them Seattle's
1: picks in the future. I'm not giving I'm – I'm, I'm giving oh, them yeah. their own picks. I'm not giving our yeah, own and,
2: picks away. And next year, you know, you have two first-round picks because of the Seattle trade. You have multiple – you yeah, know round no, I picks get, from this yeah, trade I get from yeah I get that
0: the thing is when you look at a number two pick compared to a number what is it twenty three pick 23, yeah the the value in those is completely different so everybody's saying that you're in essence trading away Jamal and Sam for Deshaun Watson that's in my mind that's just not the case you're you're giving them way more than just Jamal in the same. But I'm saying,
1: but like, if the Jets don't make the trade with Jamal, they don't have those extra picks to acquire. Yeah, I get,
0: Watson. I get, I trust, I get what you're saying. It's just, but I'm not getting what you're saying. This
1: is what I'm saying. What there's are you saying? more,
0: there's more value that you're trading away for Watson than you got for Jamal. Okay, That's so if, basically, all right, what i
1: so if the Jets are giving up number two, one of Seattle's picks. 2 let's say the Jets are giving up number two. And two of Seattle's picks and Sam. Let's just say that. Three first round picks and Sam Darnold to Houston. The Jets are sending away only one of their only one of their original picks that they've had that they had before they made the yeah. Jamal Adams trade. So I don't see Correct. the issue here. You're essentially giving away There's... one draft pick and Sam Darnold for Deshaun Watson. That's how yes. that's why I'm saying, how do you not do that? Okay, if you give up a pick in twenty twenty three, you're giving up your own draft pick. All right, cool. But you have Deshaun Watson.
2: Listen, and, I'm not doing a trade if you.
1: And we have to hope Joe Douglas hits it out. It hits it in the later rounds in the draft. But I'm willing to take right. that risk if that means Deshaun Watson.
0: Like I, I, I so get so it. I, I, um, I don't. I don't think we get Deshaun Watson if we don't send away the second pick. But in my eye, that's it's a lot. You know what I mean? It's a
2: lot either way. I mean, yeah, but. Listen, you're getting a top five quarterback in the league,
0: like who's in the prime of most, his career.
1: It's yeah, like most times 30. you're not going to no, be able to
0: draft that. Like, yeah, but with no receivers, yeah, you have the. I mean, picks, I think but, I
2: think with a new offensive mind here, I think Denzel Mims is a quality piece. You have Jamison Crowder. You just going to you know discount him and Joe? You got to you know, think. You got to think too. He's one of the best slot receivers in the league, arguably. No, I, you no, have to think too. 10. I, would say, I would say top ten. You have, to well, you have to think as
1: well. You have to think as well. The Jets are going to have high second and third round picks. Mm-hmm. This like, wide, this wide receiver class is is deep. It's we, just like last year. Do we year. have a third?
0: Do we have a third?
2: Uh, they they have a bunch of picks. I don't even know like but I they, think we have at least our pick in every single draft Right. or in every single round.
0: I thought there was more we were missing one. It was like two or three maybe, that we were maybe missing. Maybe
2: it was a second. I don't remember. But um I saw a mock before um earlier on someone's Instagram story and it was uh Texans get number two but the Jets have Deshaun Watson and then we draft Najee Harris with 23 overall I don't love picking a running
1: back in the first
2: round yeah I'm not we have a I high mean, Alabama, Alabama running that. backs have Alabama running backs have uh, been pretty decent in the NFL but I think they're,
1: they're more of a need of a wide receiver though Need more. Yeah. They need more receivers. Well,
0: line. I mean, with that twenty-three, with the twenty-three pick, we have to pick either wide receiver or O line. There's no okay, doubt. say
2: say because you know, for whatever reason, Allen Robinson seems to have his eyes on the Jets. Whether you know the Jets have their eyes on him is you know yet to be reported, or you know it's not going to be you know thrown out there by Joe, Joe Douglas. Say we get Allen Robinson, and then you take Najee Harris at twenty-three, and you get the Sean Watson. That's, That's a fine. pretty
0: freaking good offense. That's
1: fine. That's great.
0: You still have to protect them, which, like, and I'm not saying that you're wrong with that. And you also go out sign them, and sign Joe Tooney
1: and Brandon Sheriff. Yeah. The Jets have uh, the Jets have $66 yeah. million in cap space presented right now before they make cuts. Henry Anderson's gone. All the free agents, Bashad Perriman, they're, they're probably going to want to re-sign uh, Ryan Poole and, and Marcus May. Marcus May. But the Jets have room here. Like, they got room to pull off of Deshaun Watson and
2: still sign quality free agents and sign their draft picks. I mean, no doubt it's hard to project what the Jets are going to do in the draft right now because we have so much cap space. Like, what's going to be done in the draft is going to be surrounded about what they do in free agency. Like, it's going to be a domino effect. Say they sign Allen Robinson, there's really not a need for a first-round wide receiver. Right. Because you you can put Allen Robinson on one side, Denzel Mims on the other, Jamison Crowder in the slot, and then I wouldn't be opposed to bringing back Rashad Perriman as a fourth-wide receiver. I, I think as a fourth-wide receiver, as someone who can stretch the field,
0: he would be a very good option.
1: Yeah. But it, right. he can't I'd, lo- I'd
0: love to stay in chat, but <laughs> I got to go to work. Goodbye, Joe. All right, I'll talk to you guys He's later.
2: He's got to go to work. King Sala. Holla.
0: King Sala, love him. <laughs> He's
2: going to bang on the
1: drum all day. <laughs> uh, but, Scott, this... I mean, it's just so hard to not dream about Deshaun Watson. It's, I mean, it's, yeah, it's so... and
2: listen, someone on ESPN, I don't know who it was, but um, I saw something that he thought a let, – let's see if I can pull it up because some of my friends texted me about this, about just a ridiculous package that, I mean, if I was Joe Douglas, I would laugh in their face and walk away. Um, Let's see. It was some guy on ESPN said we have to give up Quinnin, Mims and three first rounders. What? I would, I would say absolutely, absolutely not. not like, listen, the Texans are in a horrible spot right now. Yep. One, you're going to have to continue to pay the Sean Watson. I don't know how many years he has left on his contract. I think maybe three on this current one He's a free agent in 2026, but there's a 2024 option. Okay. So if he continues his play, he'll probably be a free agent in, three years mm-hmm. and then you'll, you'll have to pay him again um there's that so there's the money involved then there Houston has no leverage in this situation no he you're not just gonna you know keep a guy there pay him the amount of money that he's owed and not play him right and especially where you know this is a draft where they could potentially draft their next quarterback and either Zach Wilson or Justin fields or Trey Lance if he tickles their fancy and or Mac Jones. you know or Yeah, but I don't think that. I mean, you never know. I mean, he's going to the Senior Bowl. Mac Jones, honestly, has the most to gain in this whole offseason period because he, you know, accepted an invite to the Senior Bowl, which also Devontae Smith uh, accepted an offer to the Senior Bowl, which was very surprising. I figured, you know, I mean, his hand injury must not be that bad that he sustained in the national championship, but um, he'll be at the Senior Bowl. And again, Mac Jones will be at the Senior Bowl. He could jump into, you know, top 10 or at least top half of the draft, you know, um, you know, projection if he, you know, has a really good senior bowl, has a really good combine, which, you know, they announced different ways they're doing the combine this year. I didn't read it all because I was just very confused on what the heck they're doing. Um, And then I'm assuming pro days, will be able to, you know, go ahead as hopefully planned this year um, after no pro days last year. But again, the Texans, they're going to want to get this deal done before, uh, the draft because with that Jets number two overall pick they'll probably draft a quarterback. So, right. you know, I, I think it's not going to materialize quick, but I will know by like maybe mid February March whether you know this whole Deshaun Watson thing is going to work out or not. See, I think
1: like we're optimistic, we're giddy, we're we're excited for the potential of this happening, but in reality. I don't know if this happens only because I think Joe Douglas is just so committed to building a team the correct way.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's something he's preached for the past year and a half that, you know, and it's also not really in, you know, his blood or his, you know, bringing up in the NFL, like the Ravens and the the Eagles don't make a ton of blockbuster moves like this. Yeah. They build so Joe Douglas draft. is what? They yeah, build, they build, they the, build the, draft. In the draft. Yeah. Like this isn't going to be, You know, something that Joe Douglas, like Boomer, Boomer Sison brought up something interesting on WFAN saying that if Mike Tannenbaum was still this team's general manager, Deshaun Watson would 100% be a Jet because he would do whatever the heck it took to get him here, whether that was overpaying or whatever. But, you know, I that's that's definitely something to consider, too, is, you know, the makeup of Joe Douglas and if he would be interested in even trading away one first round pick, let alone like three to get Deshaun Watson.
1: Yeah, it's I just I just find it hard to see that Joe Douglas after because he's thinking about like oh I got two first round picks he's probably for Jamal Adams I'm like wow probably should have got less than that but yeah you got a quarterback ransom for a safety pretty much so I just I just have a hard time believing that Joe Douglas is gonna want to part with those draft picks because I mean through one year of the draft he's hit on one first round pick and that's Makai Beckton so if we can get. A quality of player like Mekhi Becton at his position on multiple positions? uh, The Jets are pretty set. Like, that's a pretty pretty optimistic feel right there. But, you know, the one thing we didn't mention was, you know, the no trade clause in Deshaun Watson's Mm -hmm. contract plays a huge part in this. He's going to want to have to come to the Jets. Now, he can like uh, posts on Instagram or Twitter and whatever and play with the fans' emotions and whatnot. But... At the end of the day, he's going to have to sign off on where he wants to go. Does he want to come to New York, face all that pressure and whatnot? It's interesting though because yeah, that has a lot to do with it. But he wanted the Texans to go after Robert Sala, and they didn't. They re- they straight up refused to interview him, as well as Eric Bieniemy, which you know gets into a whole other discussion that we won't get into today. But he wanted to pl- He wanted to play for one of these coaches. Eric Bieniemy, not likely he's getting a head coaching job now. Very strange. It's a weird thing. We talked about that last week a little bit. But he wants to play for a guy like Robert Sala. And if he makes that known, and you're the Jets, you go, you, could, you do anything to go after that guy. Like I said before, 25-year-old elite quarterbacks don't hit the market all that often. They got to take
2: advantage. Like, and, you know... They bring up Miami or whatever. Miami doesn't have the picks to offer the Jets unless they, you know, offer back the Texans. What should have been the Texans' number three overall this year, but again, this all depends on how the Texans value Tua because all, the only way a deal happens with Miami is if Tua is involved. Right. And for some reason, Miami's, you know, already starting to write off Tua. You know, he played what five, six games,
1: which is just to ridiculous the Tex- to be honest with you.
2: Like Tua yeah, is we- not Josh Rosen. He's not. He's not, but he had. He didn't, you know. He won games starting, yes, but you know he never really did any win any games with like flying colors. You know he, you know, didn't have the greatest rookie season. But I think you know you can tell, yeah, like you said, he's not Josh Rosen. I just don't think it's fair to Tua. I'm sorry to cut you off, but I don't think it's fair to Tua
1: that you always had Ryan Fitzpatrick over your shoulder, and if you screw up once, Fitzpatrick's coming in.
2: Like, the Dolphins need to yeah.
1: figure out and start Tua for 16 weeks to see what you have.
2: I mean, that's the, me. the, when they put Fitzpatrick back in, it's not like, you know, he made them look like idiots for doing it. But,
1: but, you, get, but you get what I, I'm
2: saying? I agree. And I think the the manner they benched Fitz, Fitzpatrick was also kind of screwed up. Um, but, like I said, Tua's, you know, the big thing in this. The, the Texans probably aren't going to agree a deal with the Dolphins unless Tua's involved.
1: Yeah, I mean, I think that's kind of a given. So, do you think if the Jets were to do a trade with Houston, do you think Sam Darnold would have to be involved, or no? Because they I would mean, probably why pick a would Why wouldn't two. he be? Well, because they could pick a quarterback with that second overall pick.
2: They could, and you know that is something to consider too. Um, I think Houston would probably go along the lines of drafting one if they had number two overall. So that could also result in more draft capital for the Jets. You know, mm-hmm. third round pick or whatever you could get for Sam, but it's definitely something to consider. Joe Douglas, I think, you know, showing his, what he's done as a Jets general manager so far in the, you know, mainly in the Jamal Adams thing. Yeah. He's going to pick up the phone. He's going to call and see, you know, what's going on with this, because like you said, top five or elite quarterbacks that are 25 years old don't hit the market very often. Like I, I can't even remember the last one that has like, I mean maybe Dak this year, if you know, the, whatever happens with him in the Cowboys, but I don't know. I, I think, you know, Joe Douglas has to pick up the phone. I'm sure, you know, he's either done it already or ha- is considering doing it. And, you know, we'll, we'll see where that goes, but for some reason, you know, a lot of national media members and just people in general around the league seem that, you know, I don't know if they're just talking this thing into existence or, you know, the talk is creating all this steam towards this, but, it seems like the Jets are, you know, in at least one of the two front runners to get the Sean Watson.
1: They're two to one favorites to get to land him. I think Miami's like four to one. I saw that yesterday. So I mean, whatever, whatever you put stock into that, I, I really don't. But
2: I mean, I've said this might have been before the time of this podcast, but I said it when Deshaun Watson was was draftable that the Jets should take him. Uh, just you just saw it from the national championship game and his whole senior year that this guy was going to be a talent. Right, right. Like, I mean, I I've always liked the Sean Watson. I uh, like I said, th- the fact that Mike Mcagnan put faith in Christian Hackenberg <laughs> over not drafting Deshaun Sean Watson or Patrick Mahomes just shows how stupid he is. Correct,
1: absolutely correct. And
2: and Joe's not here to defend himself, so I don't want to kill
1: him. But it is funny that you know. Joe has always been this one where, you know, you don't, you know, draft uh, draft picks are lottery tickets. And, you know, you 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 acquire players with draft picks. And now that Deshaun Watson's available, when that never happens, Joe's like, ah, it's too much.
2: I know. Joe waffles a little bit here. Like, and, uh, I'm and, pretty sure we know, all have
1: waffled on here, but, like, Joe waffles a little bit.
2: <laughs> and, you know, he's been... You know, all over the horizon with the Sam Darnold yes. thing. Sam Darnold's not the answer. Correct. I think Sam Darnold has untapped potential. Like, all over the spectrum.
1: We love Joe. That's why he's that's why he's Ranger Joe. That's why he's Producer Joe. <laughs> we love him. But, well, yeah, guys, we're we're psyched about the Sala hire. The offensive staff that he's been putting together. Um, what what's your thoughts before we before we break, Scott? That Sala, it, it's a possibility that he will call defensive plays, but he is looking to interview defensive coordinators. Like, does that bother you that he might call defensive plays or,
2: or not really? No, I don't. it doesn't really bother me. I think I said last week that it's not as big of a deal if a defensive head coach calls plays compared to an offensive head coach just because offensively, there's so much more involved. Like defensively, there's, you know, there is some leeway that you could still be a CEO type head coach and still call defensive plays. I, it's not a huge thing for me. You know, I think, you know, he is focusing on offense, one, just because for the 49ers have such a great offensive, you know, coaching staff there that he wants to pry them away. Which I'm mm-hmm. surprised, like, maybe, or the 49ers offensive line coach is coming. John Beckton. To be, yes. the, to be in the same position for the Jets. I don't know. And a run know, game I coordinator. I don't think. Yeah. I don't think he was a run game coordinator in San no. Francisco. I guess that's probably why, you know, he thought this was a good opportunity for him to continue his coaching career. But, you know, the fact that Sal is kind of prying these guys away from the 49ers, and then he hires miles Austin, you know, New Jersey native played, uh, wide receiver for the Cowboys for a long time. He also hired a respected running backs coach, I believe. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I think as a defensive guy, he's doing a good job in prioritizing offense first because he knows what he's going to want in the defense. It's the offense that, you know, he might need to take a little more time and, you know, surround himself around some guys that know the offense a little bit, maybe a little bit more than he does.
1: And and that speaks volumes to me because Salah said in that video about a coaching staff, he needs to surround himself with people that know more than he does about certain things. And he's already addressed that with the offensive staff. Like, And it's interesting, too. He's going like a mix of young guys and older guys. Like LaFleur is going to be the offensive coordinator young guy. They hired a guy named Rob Calabrese. He's going to be the passing game specialist. The guy was a Long Island high school quarterback and played quarterback at UCF from 08 to 2012. So, like, he's still relatively young. I think he's like 30, but he was the Broncos' offensive assistant, and he was the guy. He was was the coach that wanted to play quarterback when they didn't have a quarterback. (laughs) Which would have been interesting. We could have had some film on our future uh, past game assistant if that were the case. And then they hire quarterback coach Greg uh, Greg Knapp, who's been in the league for 24 years and has seen a bunch of quarterbacks. So he must know something, I'm assuming. But uh, for me, I mean, I think it would be cool. I think it would be good for the staff in general if he were to hire a defensive coordinator. I think Chris Richard is really interesting, former head coach candidate. I think Aaron Glenn, he's got Jets and Bill Parcells and Sean Payton ties. I think that would be cool. The Saints aren't in the playoffs, so the Jets can interview him. Well,
2: Aaron Glenn just took the Lions coordinator uh, job. Oh, they defensive did? Coordinator oh, he job. did? Oh, tough. That was just when was that? like five minutes ago. Jeez. All right, so Chris uh, Richard, good op- still good option. Let's see. Yes, yeah, six minutes ago. Did sources he? from this for me and Rappaport. Saints secondary coach Aaron Glenn is headed to the Lions as their defensive coordinator.
1: See, that makes sense because Dan Campbell was just hired there. Mm-hmm. That makes sense. But Chris Richard is also an interesting name. He's a guy that the Jets brought in, you know, two years ago when they were looking for, you know, when they hired Gase. He was one of the guys that they interviewed. I think he's been out of football. I don't know what the deal is, but, you know, they brought him in. If they bring him in, I think that would be cool. But the thing about, you know, I want him to hire a defensive coordinator because I want Solid to get to know all the guys. Have, say, in offense, defense, special teams, everything like that. The Jets haven't had that. As long as we've been fans, the Jets haven't had that. Mangini wasn't that... Rex wasn't that. He called defense. Bowles wasn't that. Adam Gase was definitely not that. I th- I think it's I think that would be a good thing. And something we didn't mention, and we'll mention quickly before we break. It, it's interesting to see how. I hope this question gets asked once Sala is introduced. I want to know what the hierarchy is of the organization, because Sala has one more year on his contract than Joe Douglas. Because he's a first time head coach, does that mean? That Joe Douglas is going to be Salah's boss. Is Sala going to report to Joe Douglas? Like, I'm kind of interested to see what's going to happen there.
2: Yeah, I'm sure that'll be talked about in the press conference Thursday about what the whole organizational structure will be. But, you know, it, it should be interesting to see, you know, that will show how much trust that Christopher Johnson has in Joe Douglas and Rob Sala. We're
1: definitely excited. Definitely excited. Like... I'm one to admit, Robert Sala was not, like, from the start, he was not my number one candidate. I wanted to go more offense and whatnot, but once he was brought in for that second interview, I'm like, get a good offensive coordinator, and I'm all in. And he did exactly that. So, Bob Sala, welcome to the Jets. Hopefully we don't have to rip you too much on here. I don't want to because I don't want you to come after me and rip my head off. (laughs) (laughs) Hopefully not. All right, we'll break, ladies and gents. When we come back, Mets and Yankees talk. Oh, the Mets are in the headlines for all the wrong reasons this morning. And the Yankees finally did what they should have done all along. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. And then, of course, I don't want to forget this. After baseball, we'll talk basketball. Knicks and the Nets. I think Scott has uh, has changed a little bit on his take maybe, about, maybe about the James Harden deal. So, we'll talk about all that when we come back. You're listening to Tri State Sports Beat. Don't go anywhere. Do not press that dial. We'll be back.
2: Do you have thoughts you want to share, have questions, comments, or hot takes surrounding the world of New York sports? We want to hear from you. So, give us a call on the new 24 7 Tri State Sports Beat fan line. Call our new toll free number at 862 260 4315 and leave us a voicemail with your questions and comments so you can be heard on that week's episode of the Tri State Sports Beat. Again, that's 862-260-4315. We can't wait to hear from you, New York sports fans. All right, Tri-State Sports Beat. Welcome back, everyone.
1: Uh, got some interesting news this morning about Mets GM Jared Porter. Uh, I mean, what is what's going on here? Like <laughs> I like 20 in 2016, he was a scout for the Cubs and Sixty-two text messages guy. Sixty-two. Oh, <laughs> uh, like, what is wrong with people? What, like, and he, it's interesting, too. You had to, he had to have known that these pictures and these text messages were going to come back to bite him. I, well, <laughs> Pat, like, what are you doing? Like, when that came out, I was like, oh, no. Oh, uh, there's no, uh, like, there's no coming back from this. And Major League Baseball is no. doing an investigation now, which may suspend him like a long time. And Sandy Alderson's going to address it, I think, in like three, in two minutes. Actually, he's going to be on on uh, SNY or whatever and address this. But the Mets have fired Jared Porter after being here for three months, right, Scott? Three months as the Jets, as the wow, the Jets. Yeah, I,
2: I don't even know if that he was hired December, early December. Yeah, as the Mets general manager, so a month and a half. Yeah i think it was like 37 days he was the gm like
1: now i don't i don't think the mets really needed a gm to begin with sandy alderson's running the show we all know that jared porter was just basically the guy that was probably going to take over once sandy you know had retired but like do you think the mets knew about this
2: i mean according to them they didn't but uh I, I think the Cubs didn't even really know about it somehow. Um, well, it, that's, I think this
1: all—that's funny because ESPN had the story for two years. like, yeah, it <laughs> was even more than that. They, they knew here. about
2: it in—they knew about it in like 2016 or 2017, I think. 2016 is when it happened, but something's
1: just not adding up here. Someone had to know.
2: Yeah, it's a very weird situation, and you know, thankfully for the Mets, it's not their situation anymore. But you know of course the Mets are going to met always, you know, it, it can only be so good for so long until, you know, some dumb thing, uh, you know, happens with the Mets and, um, yeah, I, listen the the Mets need a George Springer signing to get over this whole George, your, oh. George, Jared Porter kind of thing. Um, it's kind of crazy. What other franchises had a coach and a GM or manager and a GM be fired before they even were sitting in for a regular season game with their organization.
1: It it would be something if it was both in in the Wilpon regime, but like what a beginning, like the, the, the Mets had so many highs, Stevie Cohen buying the team, acquiring Francisco Lindor. And then this week they signed Brad hand, but it's not finalized. And now it didn't happen. Now Jared Porter's gone. Yeah. He's been terminated as the as the general manager. The Mets put out a statement um, from the Mets president Sandy Alderson about six about six hours ago. New York Mets have terminated general manager Jared Porter effective immediately. Jared's actions as a reflect uh, as reflected by events disclosed last night failed to meet the Mets standards of professionalism and personal conduct. And also, King Stevie Cohen uh, took to Twitter real quick. Uh, when that news broke and came out, said that we have terminated Jared Porter this morning. In my initial press conference, I spoke about the importance of integrity, and I meant it. There is zero tolerance for that type of behavior. Now, that's an owner. That's an owner that, take cares, that takes care of business right away. So I think the Mets handled this fine. I mean, if they didn't know, they didn't know, but they had to I mean, fire him. I think if they knew, they wouldn't have hired him in the first yeah, place. Exactly, but they had to fire him. Got to him.
2: give the Mets a little bit of, a benef- of the benefit of the doubt. Yeah, you have
1: to. But there was no shot Jared Porter was going to keep his job after this. There's just no shot. Uh, So the Mets will move forward with, uh, I think their assistant GM is going to take over or they're going to do another search. I don't know much details about that. But, uh, yeah, Jared Porter has been fired as the Mets general manager after just being hired in December. What a crazy,
2: (laughs) crazy turn! And now he'll probably never be back in baseball ever again.
1: I mean, if Major League Baseball is going to put an investigation out, probably not looking good for a good old Jared Porter there. No. Not good. Not good. All right. The New York Yankees. Scott, we, I mean, we didn't have a shadow of a doubt, did we ever? We never came out. It came on here and freaked out that the Yankees weren't going <laughs> to resign D.J. LeMayhew. We never did that. But they get the deal done. And let me tell you, Brian Cashman must have pulled some magic rabbit out of the damn hat. He really must have. Six years, $90 million, $15 million a year? You take that to the bank for the second for the best second baseman in baseball. Like I, I was reading this and I was like, there's no way this is real. There's no way it's six years, $90 million. There's no way. Joe threw out a gazy number like seven years, $324 million. One of his co-workers saw I go, Joe, you don't even watch baseball. I don't know why you're even telling me this right now. I really don't. Yeah. But we were thinking more three, four, four-year deal. That's what was being talked about. But the Yankees give DJ six years, $90 million. And let's be real. We had our doubts. I'm not going to, you know, I'm not going to poo-poo everyone and say, I never had a doubt. I believed in Brian, Ca- I, I believed in Brian Cashman. He was always going to get it done. I did not. Listen, when Hal Steinbrenner keeps talking about how the Yankees have lost so much money, how do you not panic and think that the, the Yankees aren't going to get this deal done? Like, in a weird year like 2020, anything can happen. But the, the bottom line is the Yankees needed DJ LeMahieu, and DJ LeMahieu wanted the Yankees. And, and the fact of him being impatient was scary. Like, I'm not going to lie. Rumors coming out of Boston that he was impatient, going to go talk to the Red Sox? That was probably like, all right, let's get a deal done. Let's get it. Let's get it done. We don't want him to go to the Red Sox or the Blue Jays, but the Yankees also did what the Yankees do. They say, okay, go shop yourself. I guess DJ didn't get the deal that he wanted, and he. I think DJ was more looking for the years than the money aspect. He wanted the security of being there long term. But yeah, I'm not going to come out here and lie that I wasn't worried that the Yankees were going to get a deal done.
2: Yeah, um, I think you know that that was an interesting thing. That you brought up about the whole Red Sox incident. If, I think it was Bernie Williams back in the day. His agent started offering him to the Red Sox, and then the Yankees, like that, got a deal done. Like, I guess that's what you have to do to get a deal with the Yankees. Just say you're going to start talking to the Red Sox, and then boom, deal's done. Like, right. Um, you know, credit to his agent or whatever. But the fact that, you know, DJ LeMahie, what did he signed here for, it was like two for 24, yeah. two for 25, yeah. something like that, his original deal, and then six for 90. I mean, you know, people were worried about paying him, you know, insane money for when he's 37, 38 years old at the end of the deal, but like, like 15 million million—that for right now, that's a very team friendly deal. And, you know, we crap on Brian Cashman for, you know, not uh, you're waiting too long to sign him or whatever. But again, Brian Cashman never seems to fail us. Uh, he always, you know, seems to get things done that the Yankees need to get done. And then, you know, the extras here and there, you know, don't always come to, Fruition, but uh, you know, uh, this DJ LeMayhu thing was huge. You know, the lineup continues to hopefully th- this lineup just needs to, you know, take that little notch upwards for them to, you know, they're always going to be talked about as a legitimate World Series candidate, but I think this team just needs to add one more. You know, we'll get to the starting pitching now. This team needs to add one more starting pitcher, even after you know, signing Corey Kluber to a one year prove it deal. Mm-hmm. Um, You know, it it looks like Tanaka is going to go back to Japan um, because, you know, he's going to get a pretty big deal to pitch over there, which, you know, is sad because as a Yankees fan, you always wanted to see Tanaka, you know, get a ring with the Yankees. Um, For some reason, the Japanese guys for the Yankees just always seem to be fan favorites. You think about Hideki Matsui back Mm -hmm. in the day and how much of a fan favorite he was. And now Tanaka, you know, was beloved by Yankee fans. It's unfortunate that he's gonna go back to Japan, but I can understand I can understand why, you know, you know, props to Tanaka too for, you know, not wanting to pitch for as selfishly as a Yankees fan, you know, props to him for not wanting to pitch for any other MLB team other than the Yankees. I mean, I think he was looking at the Padres for a second, who oh. side note for a second, the Padres have maybe the best pitching rotation of all time. Tanaka like, would
1: be the third starter there, believe it or not. Like, he
2: might be fourth or fifth at be. this rate. Like you know, you Darvish, um, like Snell, Blake Snell. They just, uh, acquired Joe Musgrove from, Mm -hmm. uh, Pittsburgh. They have, uh, Danielson Lamette too. Who's like a a young guy, like might, I mean, Clevenger's going to be out for the year probably, but they also have Clevenger, like insane pitching staff there in in San Diego. Tanaka
1: would maybe go to the bullpen at that rate.
2: Yeah. Yeah. He'd be like a six starter. (laughs) Um, but I just think the Yankees, you know, there's been rumors that a Luis Castillo trade would be happening surrounded around like Miguel and Duhar and Clint Frazier. And then Clint Frazier tweets, the, I'm not leaving video from Wolf of Wall Street. And you know, I th- I could see the Yankees trying to make a trade here for starting pitcher. Um, I think that, I don't know what other bullpen guys are out there, but I think they need to replace Tommy Canely somehow and bring in another Absolutely. bullpen arm. Yeah, um, You know, try and get Brad hand here after, you know, the Mets deal. I mean, Ken Rosenthal seemed to jump the gun a little bit on that report. Um, But, uh, you know, maybe get a Brad hand in if you're the Yankees. But uh, I think the Yankees still have a couple more pieces to address whether they will or not. I mean, I think Michael Brantley would be an insane signing for this team. Uh, Even Ozuna too. Yeah, well, I think a left-handed bat in this lineup would, you know, Brian Cashman, you know, they addressed this in the offseason saying, you know, it's not really as big of a deal analytically as someone would, you know, as everyone's making it out to be. But it's
1: good to be versatile in the lineup, though. The Yankees are all right-handed. Like, it's good to be a little. I mean, personal. it makes sense
2: if, if you're going to trade Clint Frazier for a starting pitcher. You could just slide Michael Brantley right into left field, bringing right. in a, you know, a powerful left-handed bat who, you know, makes contact more, you know, first and foremost, makes contact with the baseball. Uh, you know, he would, I think you know, thrive with the, the short porch and right field, mm-hmm. like, you know, hooking it down the line there. Um, I just think he'd be a, a great Yankee to bring in here. You know, the Mets maybe don't want to admit it. I, I don't think this would ever happen, but maybe they have their eyes set on Michael Conforto next year when he's a free oh. agent. I don't think that would ever happen. And Mets fans, I'm not saying it's going to happen. I literally said, I don't think this would ever happen, but that would be something though. Uh, as a Yankee fan, I'll gladly take Michael Conforto. Oh, yeah. Any any Yankee fan who probably says they would not take Michael Conforto, Blind. I think you're out of your mind. Blind. But uh I would gladly take him. Um so what do you think
1: what do you yeah. think overall about the Kluber signing? One year eleven million dollars, kinda of prove it year deal. I like it for him being thirty four. I like it. It's
2: low risk. I mean who else thinking to put in there? Like the Yankees are, you know The rotation right now behind Garrett Cole
1: Jordan Montgomery, Davey Garcia, Clark Schmidt and Sevy when he comes back. And maybe Domingo Herman. Who who knows what the hell's going on there? But like you need yeah, that veteran, need- you need that veteran arm there to get you in big spots. Like to get you out of out of trouble and in big spots, maybe
2: in the playoffs. Yeah, I I think the Yankees, you know, you know, are just kind of betting on what ifs here for this rotation. I mean, you mentioned Domingo Herman. Who knows what you're gonna get from him? I mean, he's pitching in the Dominican League right now, I think. We all, know, we know, all know the Dominican League. We all know the hype around the Dominican League. And I Garrett don't Sargent. even know if they're still playing. Like, I, I haven't know. seen anything about I Gary Sanchez or anything. I mean, Robbie Cano went over there and hit a home run this 1st that at-bat. What does that tell <laughs> you? They'll allow the juicers. <laughs> um, but, uh, I don't
1: care about that.
2: <laughs> um, I just think the Yankees are kind of betting on what-ifs right now with this whole pitching staff. I mean, you have Garrett Cole, and then what, is Corey Kluber going to be your number two? Like, I, I think Davy Garcia proved that he can pitch in this rotation. You know, I, I mean, do they bring James Paxton back on kind of, you know, a, a prove it deal like a Corey Kluber? I think Paxton is healthy now. They seem to really like him. You know, he was big for that playoff run in 2019, would it have been? Yeah. Um, you know, the, that, that whole moment where Aaron Boone comes out and James Paxton goes, let's effing go. And then the, the stadium goes nuts and he gets out of it. Like, that was a great moment. But yep. – from what we saw last year from James Paxton, it was a completely different pitcher. And, um, you know, he he's out there. I, Jay Happ's still out there. I oh, freaking hope they do not bring him yeah, back. He's like Louis Sessa of the starting rotation. Just never want to see him again. I like the Luis Sessa uh, on his
1: roster is abysmal to me. Yeah. <sighs>
2: The fact that the Yankees still have Luis Sessa on their freaking roster pisses me off. It just seems that sucks. every
1: time we go to a game, he's on the mound. I think they just yeah, kind of toy sucks. with us. Hey, are these Remember guys that gonna... guy that
2: said oh, that said when idiot. Luis Sessa's on, he's like Justin Verlander.
1: Idiot. Yeah, how about that now? Yeah, just like Justin Verlander, a uh, a what a whopping three point three ERA. Great. Sixteen games. I mean that wasn't also. that wasn't bad
2: for Luis Sessa. A lot. He, in Luis Luis Sessa's defense, he was not he did not pitch bad last season. No in garbage time packs on the other hand 6.64 era <laughs> he was horrible not good not. I mean you have to wonder if that whole back surgery and then the elbow injury and whatever really you know it had to affect him last year could have because um, he had that really I think he had like really serious back surgery I know he had back surgery I'm assuming it was pretty serious in the offseason coming into last year yeah um I don't think he pitched much in spring training or the training summer camp whatever the heck it was called um but another great thing about baseball this season, looking at it, was we're actually going to have a spring training.
1: Yeah.
2: Um, you know, hopefully, you know, with the outdoor thing, at least some fans. Probably not spring training. I don't. I don't think they'll allow fans in spring, uh, spring training. It, spring training sites
1: it's are not, way too small. It's not
2: worth it. They're too small, but, though. Um, you have to hope. You know, opening day, Yankee Stadium. What does Yankee Stadium hold? Fifty thousand, something like oh, that. Maybe God. probably more. Yeah. You know, Yankee Stadium got a seal of approval last year from some organization saying it was, you know, the first stadium in the world, or at least in America, to be labeled as COVID safe and have protocols in place that, you know, allowed fans to attend games safely.
1: You know why? Because there's nothing fun in the stadium. That's why.
2: Yeah. (laughs) I think there's no there's no no, uh, Shake Shack to line up in droves for. Or bacon Um, on a stick. Yeah. Or chickies and peeps
1: when everyone's sitting next to each other.
2: Yeah. but you know, I think you saw it in football that it can be done safely, and you know, you saw Cuomo kind of lift the the boundaries for. Granted, it's Buffalo, and it's much less you know densely populated up there. But Cuomo, you know, allowed fans to be there for the playoffs. It, it, he only said seven thousand. There's no way there's only seven thousand people definitely. in that stadium. It didn't sound. Like, no it didn't chance. sound like
1: it. It didn't really look like it either. But I, mean, I thought it was six thousand. It was seven.
2: I mean, six seven I it, it looked six. like about 15 yeah i know <laughs> that's kind of the same it, thing there's in no city way too. there was what
1: kansas city has the same thing too they kind of look like they don't give an f about covid over there yeah it's kansas the south city. i know
2: <laughs> like I the freaking if jerry jones could he would have allowed eighty five thousand oh, in sure. cowboy stadium what was it like 20 something like that 25, 25 or something wow. like that Still listen,
1: like Yeah, I'm I'm a big like now Robert Salas, now head coach of the Jets, the Yankees resigned
2: DJ LeMahieu. I'm ready to go. Let's go to games. I'm ready. I'm ready. Listen, I think you have to hope by next September that, you know, this vaccine will be rolled out for what is nine months now. Hey, listen, everyone we better. who we bet everyone be. who wants it is gonna be able to get it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, hopefully it's effective and you know, we can start. You know, doing the things we love and going to sporting events and, um, yeah, I. The fact that games now that have ten thousand people in it feel like a full house is sad. just kind of
1: sad. It is sad.
2: Like, yeah. I mean, it's awesome to see fans in it, and the fact that we're saying, "Wow, they have a lot of fans." These playoff games are usually freaking shoulder to shoulder, freaking. No. Hug your neighbor like it's like a it's just your a brother, mad, Just imagine
1: a MetLife Stadium when, when the Jets get a home playoff game in three years with Robert Sala oh. at the helm and Sean Watson. Oh
2: we're gonna be Still, there. you'll be hugging people you've never seen before. Oh, I know. I'm
1: gonna go find that guy that sat behind me and Joe in the season tickets and I'm gonna point at him and I'm go, I'm gonna give you a
2: fat hug.
1: I wanna kiss you. Yes, Joe. I would kiss Joe Namath
2: too. Oh, but like, hold on, timeout. We didn't get to this. What fireman Ed Robert Sala? Oh, very similar. Very similar. Yes, it's probably just the bald head and you know the buff physique. But I would love to see Robert Sala lead a Jets chance. Oh yeah, absolutely. And wave the helmet and start. Oh, oh. Um, Sandy Alderson. Let's get, speaking. It, let's get it taped in the pregame in the um, yes off
1: season. Sandy Alderson speaking to the media right now. Started about. Four o'clock. Uh, Anthony Decomo, uh, Mets beat writer for MLB, said that first became aware of the Jared Porter story around 5:30 last night. Those are the kinds of things that this organization and many others find uh, not tolerable in in any shape or form. Basic GMs speak like that. He also added, which was funny because we just brought this up, that if he hadn't, if they he had known in advance, the Mets would have never hired Jared Porter. That kind of goes without saying, but it's just funny that we mentioned that before. Um, yeah, very weird thing, but yeah, I like the Kluber signing too. Going back to that for a second, two-time Cy Young winner, veteran arm the Yankees probably need. Um, but yeah, happy uh, happy fans, happy Yankees, happy DJ LeMahieu. I guess I mean <laughs> needed to bring him back, had to do it. Um, all right, I think that's all we got for baseball. Besides that, I mean, Luis Castillo trade thing. I think that went down the drain once the Reds wanted Claybor Torres. I think that's absolutely ridiculous. Wait, they wanted Claybor? Yeah. I didn't see that they wanted Glaber. I go, you're kidding me, right? Like the Yankees were like, all right, that's that. That's not happening. So I mean, Castillo's they good. He's a, he's a good young pitcher, but like for Glaber Torres, you kidding me? What are we doing here? Like, but I agree with you. I think they still need to add pitching. Like they they definitely need some bullpen help a little bit. They're not quite as all bad off as the Mets are, but and another starting arm couldn't uh, couldn't kill you. Really couldn't kill you. Alright, well, we'll take a break. When we come back, basketball. The Knicks are the Knicks are, I mean, I don't know. I'm in a weird place with the Knicks right now. We'll get to that. And the Nets. I was telling you last night, Scott, they are the best team in the Eastern Conference. And we're gonna talk about why. When we come back. You're listening to Tri-State Sports Beat. Don't go anywhere. We'll be back. The Tri-State Sports Beat has partnered up with Southside Productions to bring the podcast to the next level. Southside Productions features an already impressive yet small roster of podcasts, including everyone's third favorite baseball podcast, Take a Pitch. Us, along with everyone else at Southside Productions, are working hard to bring the best sports media content to you, the listener. So do us a favor and check us out at www.southsideprod.com. That's southsideprod.com. And follow us on all major social media platforms. And now, back to the show.
2: Brooklyn. Brooklyn. Oh, if only fans were allowed in the building last night. It's How still effective when they play it. it. It's still effective when they play it. I, I feel Our it. future quarterback was in attendance. I saw that. I did see that.
0: Oh, boy. Oh, boy.
2: Allen Robinson was also liking James Harden things <laughs> about coming to Brooklyn. Oh, boy. James he's Harden also liked about he's also liked uh, reports about four other teams uh, attached to his name in the NFL. But you know we're going to focus on the Jets. Yes, we are. We are a New York centric podcast. We will focus on that. So, pal, tell
1: me. We put out that bonus clip about the the instant reaction to the James Harden deal, and uh, in two games with the Nets, not too shabby. Thirty three points a game, triple double.
2: How you feeling? I mean, now that I saw it, I, I feel much better about it. But, um, you know, first of all, this whole Karis LeVert thing is very scary. Oh, I hope, yeah. You know, he gets over that. And, you know, James Harden may have saved his life. Um, you know, this whole trade caused him to get a uh, uh, a MRI that, you know, appeared that had this mass on his kidney revealed. So hopefully Karis LeVert gets over that. I'll always love Karis LeVert. He, you know it's one of the main reasons why I was upset about this trade because you know, it wasn't really about the picks and yeah, the picks suck, but it was losing Jared Allen and Karis Levert that originally had me upset about this trade, but you know, after watching it um, now, there is another whole cog in this wheel that has to be thrown in. Oh yeah. That we haven't seen yet, which oh, yeah. is Kyrie Irving who, you know, still so spoke to the media today. Um, did apologize to the fans for not playing, but you know, does
1: that mean anything to you? Do you take anything in that?
2: I don't know. I mean, I get, I'm happy that he sees the fans perspective about why he, you know, he does, it shows that he cares, but you know, it's still kind of upsetting that he missed all this time. And you could see, like he did for anyone watching on YouTube, he did his like press conference like this. (laughs) Hold on, let me put my screen down. He literally like had his arm like, his head on his arm like this and was tall he didn't want to be there to begin with let's be honest i mean i think he's still going through stuff he did say that he had a bunch of personal and family things going on it was all just too much for him so he had to step away which you know i don't think those situations will ever come out but um you know i'm still you know it was still getting very annoying that he was not playing but you know hopefully he took care of what he had to take care of and that'll be the last distraction this team has to have with him this season but um Back to James Harden. Yeah. Yeah. But it's a big thing. Ky- Kyrie's a big thing in this. Like, what yeah. Kyrie are you going to get? Are you going to be the guy that, you know, is he going to play off the ball? Is he going to have the ball? How's he going to react to James Harden here? Is he going to be a guy who can play with two other stars? Like, we have to see Kyrie play against the Cavs tomorrow night. And I hope Jared Allen, first of all, I hope Jared Allen destroys DeAndre Jordan because DeAndre oh, yeah. Jordan, whether, you know, people say, oh, he looked great against the Knicks and, you know, didn't play horrible last night. He still sucks. Uh, I hate DeAndre Jordan. He's horrible. Uh, James Harden somehow is making him look five years younger than he is, but he still sucks.
1: Yeah, he's getting up um, there. He's 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 putting away he's putting away those misses. He's putting away those misses and the dunks.
2: Uh, listen, he he may be, you know turning a corner for two games here, but Nick, Nikola Vucevic freaking oh, made him his daddy them. the other night. He, oh. Uh, how about Nikola Vucevic, good shooting, big man. Oh, yeah. DeAndre right. Jordan, let's just guard him at the free throw line. Let's just <laughs> let him shoot open threes all game long. That's He only of... hit about six of them. Don't you think by, like, the fourth you'd actually decide to guard him?
1: That's kind of what happened when the Knicks and Nets played and, and Julius Randle went off for 30 points. Yeah. Kind of the exact like, same thing that happened.
2: It's lucky that Giannis wasn't able to shoot last right. night because, you know, Giannis would have had 50. That was a great game last night. It really was. It was. It was. Um, I thought Chris Middleton's shot was – he was I think he was the one that took the last yeah, shot. Yep. Um, I thought that I was going down, like that was halfway down. The whole clock issue, I think the Bucs got kind of screwed because the it, it was clear that they, you know, signaled for a timeout with about six seconds left. Mm. But they ran the clock down like three seconds, and the refs reviewed it and said that, oh, it's non-conclusive. We can't give you more time. I, I think the Bucs got kind of screwed there. Um, but a win is a win. <laughs> hey. Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to complain, but if it was against the Nets, it'd be, you know, pretty uh, pretty annoying. But, um, yeah, the, the more you see this whole James Harden thing, the more, you know, you have to like it as a Nets fan. I thought the, the lack of depth would uh, be hurting this team. Nope. But, um, what? Not yet. <laughs> not yet. Uh, Bruce Brown is playing well. Uh, Jeff Green, you know stayed hot. Joe Harris is going to have a freaking Island to shoot from oh, because he's wide open every single time. Um, you, this team, I just wish Nick Claxton was healthy. Cause I'd like to see what he can offer. But Reggie Perry, uh, gave you good minutes the other night. Um, yeah, I mean, I thought this, like I said, this depth was going to be a problem, but so far it, you know, hasn't really, um, you know, been an issue. And, The big thing is that the Nets and Steve Nash can alter their minutes so that one of James Harden, KD, or Kyrie can always be on the floor at at one time.
1: That's ideal. Like, Like that's the ideal situation there.
2: Yeah, and then in the fourth quarter, you know, you play your best guys. But, like, there's not going to be that period of the second quarter where, you know, you're playing your whole second team for eight minutes and then you bring your starters back in like a lot of NBA teams do. Like there's always going to be a time where James Harden might be on the floor with like some reserves or Kyrie and, you know, KD will be on the floor, or, you know, whatever combination. But I think there's always going to be the opportunity to have at least one of them on the floor at all times, wow. which is, you know, going to be huge for this team and hopefully they can all stay healthy.
1: I mean, if you could have predicted James Harden in his day, de- in his next debut, t- 32, 14 and 12, in his Nets debut, when everyone was criticizing him and how fat he looked, and did he pull the wool over Houston's eyes? That guy must have been wearing a fat suit. Because then the pictures came out of him working out pregame, and he looked shredded. I wouldn't say shredded, but he looked in shape. And then the other night against the Bucs, last night against the Bucks, 34 points, 12 assists, 6 rebounds. If I were to tell you that's James Harden's first two games, would you have believed me? Again, he's one of the best scorers to ever play the game. But would you have predicted that?
2: he no I mean he also came out in that game looking like he was going to prove that he could pass the ball and play with other guys like the fact that he scored 30 points is still kind of crazy because he did not you know have the eye for scoring at least in the beginning of the game he was showing that he could be a playmaker and pass the ball which you know I haven't watched a ton of James Harden just because you know I don't really watch the NBA outside of the Nets or you know maybe the odd Nick game if there's nothing else on but you know James Harden, you know, I never really realized how good of a passer he is. Like, very just his playmaking passer. ability is is fantastic. Yeah, like, you know, he really has an eye for you know any sort of pass and can make it too. Yeah,
1: and of course, you know, it doesn't. We're not going to ignore the fact that Kevin Durant is still on a freaking tear. Like he he went for thirty. You know, he yeah he went for thirty last night against the Bucks, and then he went for forty two against the Magic. Like. We're not going to downplay Kevin. Like this is Kevin Durant's team. Like James Harden was the guy. He's the new guy in town. This is Kevin Durant's team, and he's playing his best basketball right now. But this—the big elephant in the room—is James Harden's playing so well, playing point guard. Like he's playing his best basketball of the season right now. When Kyrie Irving comes back, how, like that's going to affect it real bad. Like that's going to really affect the the chemistry between these between these three guys. So I, I'm more on the, you know. Kyrie, take a back seat. Like you can't. uh, Obviously, Steve Nash just can't tell Kyrie Irving to take a back seat. He's not going to take that well. He's going to blow it up and all that. But the Nets in two games of the James Harden era, they're playing their best basketball of the season.
2: Yeah, and you know, KD continues to just be very impressive and what he can do. And you know, people that thought that he was going to you know not be never be the same player again after his Achilles injury, I'm sure they found out real quick that he can you know pick up to be the old KD Mm -hmm. because it really doesn't look like he's lost a step. No. And maybe it was the, you know, the extended layoff of missing the whole year that helped him. He could really, you know, take time in his rehab and build himself back up the right way and not rush himself back. What, whatever it was, he did it the right way and, you know, looks fantastic. Yeah. Um
1: I know you said you're concerned about the depth, but this all makes it so worth it right now. But I'm just really concerned about when Kyrie comes back into the fold, how he's going to Obviously if he reacts well to it, it's really going to work. And I believe that the Nets are the best team in the Eastern Conference. They definitely proved that last night against the Bucs on on TNT. But, listen, when Kyrie's averaging 27, KD's averaging 30, and Harden's averaging 33, like, (laughs) there's no – I don't really see that anybody stopping this Nets team right now, as currently as they're playing. Again, James Harden's only played two games here. I think it only gets better. I think he only starts to play better as he starts to, you know – Form with his teammates and build that chemistry and whatnot. But could you just imagine if Spencer Dinwiddie was healthy? No. Could
2: you late. imagine?
0: Yeah.
2: He keeps talking up on social media that he may be back like late in the year. Yeah. Which, you know, I don't really think that's possible considering his injury happened when? Like early December, was it? or It was, that, it was definitely before the season. Um, No, it had happened in. I think it was the Charlotte game that had happened. So I don't oh, know if that right. was after Christmas. It might have been just after Christmas that it happened. But I, I don't see him being able to come back this year. Um, but, yeah, it, it would be, you know, just that much better that he uh, that he would be able to, you know, help this team because that just that role player coming off the bench would have been fantastic.
1: The Nets are playing their best basketball right now, pal. You should be, I mean – you're pretty giddy about it, but I'm glad – I'm kind of glad – I'm good, I'm glad for your sake that you've kind of switched the narrative on the James Harden trade. Again, the Nets gave up a whole lot to acquire him. But listen, if this results in a couple championships, I don't think you're going to hate it.
2: Uh, yeah, I mean, yeah. <laughs> but, You know, it's just – you know, I think the fear of, holy crap, this could, you know, go very south could, you know – it, they pretty much gave up everything that Nets fans, you know, looked forward to for however many years. Right. The develop We've watched the development of J, of uh, Jared Allen and Karis Avert for four years now. Like, it was just hard to trade all that away for one guy. But, you know, now that you see it and, you know, there's always – there's also all those question marks surrounding James Harden and, you know, it just, you just needed to see it, I think, to as a Nets fan to, you know, gain some confidence in, in the move. So, um, when are we going to plan
1: our, where we're going to be standing for the parade?
0: <laughs> uh, you said,
1: cause you asked me, I think you asked me on here or privately. I don't remember, but I told you I would come to the parade with you. <laughs> I would come to the parade with you. If that's a thing, I hope it is because this city needs a parade. <laughs> It'd be great You've Been starving for some kind of parade. Um, Yeah, uh, I'm excited about the Nets. They're a fun team to watch. I mean, how could they not be? They're the the talk of the NBA. Like, not just just local sports talk like we're doing. They're the talk of the league. Like, nationally, they're finally getting attention now that they have three of the top ten players in the NBA. But, yeah, the Nets are exciting to watch. I think they're the best team in the Eastern Conference right now, currently as presented. On the other hand, my New York Knicks are in such a weird, weird time right now. Like, uh, obviously, they lose to the Nets and the Cavaliers, which was, you know, the the cultivation of a five-game losing streak, which, you know, when you're a Knicks fan, you're kind of used to that kind of thing. But then they come out on on a matinee on Tom Tom Thibodeau's birthday, and they blow out the Boston Celtics. Again, they didn't have Jason Tatum. That has a lot to do with it. But Boston at that time was on a five-game winning streak, and the Knicks just roll into Boston and blow the doors off of the Celtics. And then they beat the Orlando Magic, who the Nets beat, you know, a couple of days prior. But my biggest issue right now with this Knicks team, 7-8, and eight, uh, let me tell you, they're overachieving as far as my standards are. I'd have them a lot worse than 7-8 and eight right now. But, again, it's the same story as it has been for the last couple weeks. I'm glad that Julius Randle's playing so well, but what about the guys around him? Well, what about everybody else? All right, Julius Randle's averaging 22-11-6 and six a game. That's great. 30 against the Nets they couldn't defend them 28 in the loss to the Cavaliers 20 plus in the in the back-to-back wins that they've had against Boston and against the Magic but guys right now in this Knicks team are just not like producing offensively around Julius Randle and I get it that they're a really good defensive team they're number one in defense they're the number one defense right now in the NBA that speaks volumes about how you know how good of a coach Tom Thibodeau really is But guys like R, like guys that you really thought were going to break out and compete offensively, R.J. Barrett leads the pack. Alfred Payton, Mitch, Kevin Knox, they're just not getting it done on offense. And I just don't, I just like, R.J. Barrett's had 20-plus points in the last four games. Okay, but that doesn't mean anything when you're still shooting 22% from three-point range. You're still chucking them up. Like, I almost get, like, giddy and excited when R.J. makes a three because I'm like, is this going to end his, you know, freaking drought he's still on? Last week, he was shooting 17%. All right, 22%. What's that? I still think he needs to stop shooting threes. I mean, like, he's just not that kind of player. Like we said last week, you you even validated it for me, pal, that he wasn't a good three-point shooter coming out of college. I just don't think he ever will be. And, it, it, you know, and, and where the NBA is at right now, I just don't think he's like that. Alfred Payton, he's fine. Like, but he should be on the bench. Alfred Payton's fine, veteran point guard, been around a while. He should be on the bench. Emmanuel quickly should be starting. I'll get to that in a minute. Emmanuel quickly should be the starting point guard for the New York Knicks right now. But and then Kevin Knox, like whenever he touches the freaking floor, he's just invisible. He's absolutely invisible. Like uh, let me let me go over how many how how he's actually played yeah, against Orlando. He played nine minutes. He was 0 for four. Fifteen minutes. He went one for three. The two for five against Cleveland. Like, I'm not a big Kevin Knox guy, but I still don't have any confidence that no matter who the coach is, I just don't think Kevin Knox is a good player. Again, he's still young, but I just don't think he's got it. And then, you know, what bothers me most of all, and this is and this is really recently that I that I've been watching the Knicks this season. Mitchell Robinson is such a liability on offense. Like, I I understand that. You know, he's brought in there for defense. He's one of the best defensive players in the league. I totally understand that. But just imagine for a second, Nick fans, basketball fans, just imagine for a second if Mitchell Robinson had some kind of offensive repertoire. A a hook shot, a a post up move, something. All I see Mitchell Robinson do catch the ball on the free throw line and hand it to RJ Barrett or whoever who takes a three and misses. Like I would like Mitchell Robinson to start. You know, he teased it on on Instagram. All right, I'm about to have to bring it out. Bring what out? You haven't brought out your jump shot. He's apparently he's been working on it all off season. I don't understand it. Like it's the beginning of the season. It's the, it's the time. It's time to start like doing these things. He's a great defender. I love Mitchell Robinson. He's in the future plans for the Knicks. But like again, am I am I happy that he was? You know, the single season. Um, Field goal percentage uh, leader last year? Sure. But, like, and he's shooting 64%, but they're all on put-back dunks. Like, they're not actual shots. Of course you're going to shoot well from from the floor when that happens. And he's a rebound machine. I get it. But the one positive that continued, to, other than Julius Randle and the, the the job Tom Thibodeau is doing, is Emmanuel Quickly. Like, this kid is on the rise. I can't I can't say it enough. Like, He's been in double figures the last four games off the bench. This guy, this guy's amazing. Like, he doesn't, like, his floater does not miss. He, he, like, (laughs) I, and, and you know what's funny? Like, I was all hyped about uh, Miles Powell and Obi Toppin, but 19, 23, 17, 11. That's how many points he's scored in the last four games. And he, and he's been lights out. He's been the, he's been the Knicks best player other than Julius Randle. You know, and, t- and coach and Tom Thibodeau is making is looking to make a change. Change number one, two, and three is you start Emmanuel quickly at point guard, and it shouldn't even be a discussion. The kid shows he can play, he can do everything shoot threes, he, he dribble drives and floats it up and he sinks it. He can dish a little bit, but I don't know, man. I'm at a weird place with the Knicks right now. They're seven and eight. I'm, I'm happy that they're. This, you know, they're only one game below 500. That's how low my standards are for the Knicks right now. Obi Toppin's starting to finally, you know, show what he's got a little bit. You know, being healthy and whatnot, but, man. The Knicks just, like, they're 29th in points score. They're only averaging 101 points per game. This ain't the NBA we're living in anymore. The Knicks just, I mean, I'm, I'm proud that they're hustling They're they're good defensively and all that, but you got to score points in the NBA. I don't know if you have anything, any opinion, Scott, but that's what pisses me off the most. Like Julius Randle, a guy that's not going to be, that probably is not going to be on this team in three years. It's it's going to be, you know, the young guys leading the helm. You know, I'm a little concerned, like especially R.J. Barrett, Kevin Knox, but I'm encouraged by guys like Emmanuel Quickly. I don't know what you have, but if you want to comment.
2: I mean, you know, not to bring. Nets into this, but the reason why the Nets win is because they score points. Like right. you can only play so much defense in the NBA. Eventually, you know, high powered scoring teams are going to be able to outscore you no matter how good your defense is. Um Yeah, I really haven't watched the Knicks other than you know that Nets game where, you know, Julius Randle looked good, but RJ Barrett couldn't hit, you know, the broad side of a barn. And um what's the deal with like Obi Toppin? Why are they like not playing him?
1: Well he's been um Well they didn't he's play him hurt. for like He's been hurt for a I while. I mean, he's only played five games, but there was one point where he was first game back, and he came he came in for fifty seven seconds. Like that was it. I'm like, yeah. what, I'm
2: like, what's the point there? It seems like Thibodeau like doesn't like him or something.
1: Yeah, I, I don't but, know. Uh, I don't know
2: what the deal is. I don't know. Who knows? Like, I I just see the Knicks having, a, and this isn't like bias or anything. I just see the Knicks having a long losing streak at some point, like long as in like five plus. Like, I mean, they already had a five game
1: losing streak. <laughs>
2: Well, it's gonna be longer I, than that. Oh God, hell, God help. Me. Maybe because I, I don't know. Tom Thibodeau, I feel like just runs his guys into the ground. Like he, there was that one game. I don't know why I'm so like fixated on this, but like he played one. There was one game where he played seven guys the entire game, yeah. and that was it. Yeah, like most of them played forty. That's what he's known. Minutes, that's like, what he's known
1: for, though. That was the, that was the big issue. That was one concern about the Knicks hiring Tom Thibodeau in such a young, you know, a young core.
2: Yeah, I. I the Knicks don't have the depth to do that. Like, I just don't think that he's going to be able to sustain to sustain that kind of thing. Like, they're going to be dead by the All-Star break.
1: Right. And, you know, like, Julius Randle is averaging 37 minutes a game. R.J. Barrett, 30, like, there's no way at the rate that R.J. Barrett is shooting, he should be averaging 37 minutes a game. Alfred Payton, 29. That should be Emmanuel quickly. Yeah. should be. He's averaging 18 minutes a game, All right, Play him. He needs to be the point guard. Has to be. He does everything right. He doesn't do anything wrong. He's great. Fantastic. All right, we'll break one more time. And uh, Tri-State Sportsbook, and then we'll end this one. All right, we'll talk to you guys in a second. All right, ladies and gents, Tri-State Sportsbook. Let's win you some money, maybe. Kids with the kids. Show me the money. Winners, 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 winners. Scott, would you like to go first, pal?
2: Sure. Um... There's a big hockey game in New York City tonight. The Hudson River Rivalry gets its first installment of 2021 in the books tonight. Um, I don't know if this is messing up the picks I have here, but I have two picks for this game. First, I'm going to take the Devils plus one and a half uh, at minus 205. I don't know if that's making the the parlay odds less sufficient. but And then I'm also taking the under six goals. So I think Mackenzie Blackwood uh, is a stud in net. The Devils still haven't allowed a five-on-five five goal. Um, in two games. Jack Hughes looks like a beast. Uh, three points for two games. Miles Wood looks like he could, you know, be maybe a 20-goal scorer this season. On wood. My new hope.
1: favorite player, my new favorite
2: player, Igor Sharangovic. Oh. new favorite. Yeah, he's he's going to be a star. I don't know why it's said Dimitri Kulikov. I just kind of threw a random name <laughs> <No>. out there. <laughs> Igor um, Sharangovic. That was a great goal. A great Listen. pass from David Severson, too. Listen, I, I told
1: you after game one. Game one was hard to watch, got to be honest with you. Told you after game one, I go this Igor kid's got something, or whatever it is. Now. I go, I got. No, I actually said number seventeen. Igor, Igor Shosturkin. Yeah, Shosturkin.
2: Did you oh. see his pre, his pre, uh, post game interview? It was, it was very cute. Erica Walker was asking him a question. He goes, "This question's hard for me. I don't understand." <laughs> and then
1: he goes, "Okay, bye bye."
2: <laughs> <Yeah, laughs> one of his quotes. Hold on, I have to find it. He um.
1: Well, maybe I can find. Uh, I'll, maybe I'll find it and pull it up here.
2: Let's see. I have to. Oh yeah. Uh, the, I guess he was asked about uh about scoring the goal. He goes, "The boys, they happy. I score, they hug." <laughs> <laughs> and he also goes, "Sivo pass. I try. I try score. I score."
1: <laughs> That's just everything you want, really. Everything it's you want. So
2: funny. Big props for him for trying it. Right. First NHL goal. Second NHL game gets thrown into an English interview on that on TV, and you know he uh, you know. You honestly didn't do too bad.
1: No. All right, hold on. I got it right here. Thank you, Thank
2: you for so doing this interview with us, and I'm sorry that we, we can't do it face-to-face, but go enjoy this win, and congratulations once Thank again. Thank
0: you so much. Bye-bye.
2: Bye-bye. Well, what a gentleman. What a guy. <laughs> Thank you so much. Bye-bye.
1: Bye-bye. What a guy. That was a, that was a beautiful um, goal, though. Steve Cangelosi's call was also... Oh. All right, we'll play that, too, while we're at it. Oh, can't ahead. The
0: Seven seconds to go. Taken here by Severson. Has Sharon Govich. Walks in. He scores! Sharon Govich! Oh. The first goal of his National Hockey League career in overtime.
1: Well, Steve
2: Kangelosi is so underrated. So oh, underrated. He's the best. I mean, the Devils, like, oh, the, uh, the Rangers fans want to talk about. Who's their freaking announcer? Sam something? Sam Rosen. Sam they Rosen. want to talk about him. Freaking he's amazing. And, we went from Doc Emmerich, maybe the greatest hockey play-by-play guy of all time. Not even a question. To Steve Cangelosi mm-hmm. Him and Ken Danico. I still miss Chico Rush from time to time, but yeah. you can get a sprinkle of him on WFAN occasionally yeah. with uh, Matt Laughlin. Also a fantastic play-by-play uh, guy. Met him, Met him, him guy. In person one time. He seems like a nice guy. Very nice guy. Um, but the Devils have just been, you know... Uh, blessed with great commentators doc emrick chico Resch, kanji i mean even ken danico former player he's he's very good to listen to too
1: yeah
2: gotta love mr devil yeah all right we will back to the betting (laughs) but back okay so i have (laughs) entry the the, the, new reboot reset uh the, the the new jersey devils plus one and a half uh and under six goals uh for the total and then my last one, Duke sucks this season. Oof. It's the first time in years that both Kentucky, North Carolina, and Duke are not ranked. Um, don't know the exact year. I saw it on ESPN the other day, and I decided to forget that happened. Um, but I'm going to take Duke minus four tonight against Pittsburgh. Pittsburgh is a bad basketball team. Uh, Pittsburgh is also coached by a former Duke uh, assistant in Jeff Capel. Hopefully uh, Coach K will know, you know, the ins and outs of Jeff Cable's basketball brain. Mm. And the guys that should be performing for Duke decide to perform, and they will cover minus four. So to recap, Duke minus four, New Jersey Devils plus one and a half, and the under six goals in Devils-Rangers. $10 wager will win you potential payout of $47.50.
1: Pal, I'm with you on one of those. I got Duke minus four too at Pitt. I know nothing about this Ooh. game. I know nothing about it. But hit lost to St. Francis in their first game of the year. That's all I need to know. Then I'll take Duke minus four as well. I will also take Syracuse minus four and a half. I love betting with you, Syracuse. I love the football. You don't team. have
2: very good uh, luck betting with the Orange.
1: I don't, but I'm. But they're at home. At I the was Car- on the gridiron.
2: They're at the Carrier on Dome. The they're at the Carrier. You Dome. You're get lucky on the hardwood.
1: Maybe I will. They're at the Carrier Dome. They're playing Miami. I'll take Syracuse minus four and a half. My last one. I'll go to. The, I'll go to the ice. I'll take the Washington Capitals plus one and a half at the Pittsburgh Penguins. Uh, love me some Ovechkin. Screw you, Sidney Crosby. That's all I got for that one. So Syracuse minus four and a half, Duke minus four, and Washington Capitals plus one and a half. Ten dollars plus four twenty will win you fifty one dollars and ninety eight cents. Yeah, Steve Cangelosi. So is such an underrated, underappreciated announcer. I feel
2: he, he does a lot too. He calls soccer as the Red sure Bulls. He calls yeah, the Red Bulls. He's been calling college hockey on CBS Sports Network. The other day on Saturday, he called the Devils at 1 o'clock and then did a college hockey game on CBS Sports Network at like 7.30 or 8 o'clock. He's a man of many talents.
1: It's also interesting, too, for the Jets. They got two big game Bobs now, Bob
2: Sala and Bob O'Shoozan. Yeah, Bob O'Shoozan. I wish wish he was on TV. It's so hard to – it's impossible to listen to the Jets on the radio um, if you're not in the car, like – you have or to like if you have a, on
1: or screen. if you have a stupendous FM radio, Bluetooth radio in your room, like I do, yeah. um, my friend got it for like me. You,
2: you're welcome. Thank you. You can't you can't listen to it on the ESPN app, nope. or you have to pay for it on like Sirius or like tune-in Radio. Like in Connecticut, you can't find it on the radio, which is very sad.
1: No, ESPN, that, ESPN doesn't allow you to stream it.
2: No, they can't. I, I don't yeah. know if that's NFL rules. It or, is. I think it's NFL rules. They but, don't allow you to stream it. It's so annoying. It is. I, I just just want to listen. And, like, there's no Connecticut affiliate. At least, like, here in Connecticut, I think there's uh, – luckily I get 660 on AM, like, for the Yankees. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure there's a separate Connecticut affiliate that the Yankees have that plays – that, you know, has the games on. The Jets, like, you, you can't find one. If someone knows of one, let us know. But I yeah, can't please. find it. Yeah. Like, I can't listen to ESPN radio. Like, I guess I can listen to it on the app now, like the Michael K show or Carlin or whatever. I can listen to that on the ESPN app, but I can't listen in the car, because I don't get 98.7, and they don't have a, an AM frequency. Well, I mean, you're more of an FAN guy anyway, so... Yeah, but, you know, when there's commercials on FAN, I like to go back, go to ESPN, because I don't want to listen to commercials. True.
1: Nobody likes commercials,
2: except for yeah. our commercials. <laughs> have you ever listened to Bart's show on ESPN?
1: Uh, Here and there. I think it's, I think it's in the time where i'm working so it's kind of hard they move
2: they move their whole like lineup like their morning show is from like five to eight in the morning and then they have Keyshawn zubin and whoever the heck else they have on that show from Mm -hmm. like eight to ten then they have the Stephen a show from like 10 to 11 and then barts is like 11 to 1 and then someone else i think maybe uh or K-Show is from 3
1: to... Is it 3? 7? It's
2: like a whole different lineup. And then Carlin, I think it's from like 7 to 11 or something. They stream Carlin's show on Twitter now. I saw that last night. Oh, do they? On their their Twitter page, it was streamed.
1: Well, I mean, that's live radio. If you want go-to New York sports talk on a podcast, you come right here. This is where you come. This is where you come. All right, so that does it for another episode of the Tri-State Sports Week. Thank you all for sticking around. I hope you all enjoyed it as always. Follow us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, and all social media at TSSB Pod, so you can listen to us on the podcast, of course, on Apple, Spotify, Radio.com, and the iHeartRadio app, as well as any of your favorite podcast platform. And, of course, the 24-7 Tri-State Sportsbeat fan line, 862-260-4315. And, of course, you know follow us on social media, all that good stuff. we got extra clips for you guys. Joe's got some edits coming out, a nice Robert Sala Jets one coming your way on Instagram this week so that'll be fun so thank you all so much for listening we'll see you next time on the tri-state sports beat
0: namaste and keep listening to the tri-state sports beat
1: goodbye it was all a dream i used to read word up magazine something baby do up in the lumber scene and pictures on my wall every saturday rapper attack mr magic molly mo i know i love your corners i am you souls soul. on i love your corners i am you souls soul. on i love your corners i am you souls soul. on